Hi, this is Vanessa Sunshine. Hi, this is Alicia. Hi, I'm Georgia Love. I'm Osha Ginsberg. If you're listening to the sound of my voice, you are on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. What do you do with an arts degree? I'm still not sure I know. I skipped three years worth of lectures just to binge watch awful shows. There must be some scholarship for accruing worthless knowledge. It's my only talent, honey. That and losing money. Let your excess hex debts rest and then just join us while we start on our bachelor. Hello and welcome back to the Bachelor of Hearts podcast, the Bachelor Nation podcast, the show that asks the question, do we just sing the entire episode? (laughs) Is this the most effective means of communication? It's the only way that I can really articulate what's going on inside me. I feel like I can't <laughs> express myself through speech. I also feel like there's there's little enough singing on the actual TV show that we could hopefully sort of scratch that itch a little bit for some people. <laughs> oh, dear. My name is Max Quinn. My collaborator-in-chief... Uh, for this episode, Xavier Rebetsky Noonan is also here. Hi, Xavier. Hello. Thanks for having me. Well, on I don't the know. Show we've been doing together <laughs> for like five years. And joining us for the first time here on the BOH Pod, he is arguably, I would say, modern music's most prolific songwriter. He has released more than twenty thousand songs. You might know him for his appearances across film, TV, podcasts, search engines. Xavier, it's like we are being visited by S. E. Oprah. You know, you get a song, you get a song. Yeah, it's Matt Foley. It's an honor, and I, I, I'd say this is the first time since '03 that I watched a Bachelor episode. I, th- I think it's been that long, and I wow. loved both of them. What I am back good. on board. <laughs> <laughs> so, Matt, what did you like about these two episodes? Let's start there. Well, first, um, I'm gonna. You guys hinted at it. Um, the music element is is really just like ham-fisted in there when it is there and for the most part they're just like ah forget like it's like they got there and they're like wait isn't this supposed to be like music based and like oh well whatever let's just focus on the drama um but i w- frankly when it is even though it's it can be schmaltzy musically i i like it when they were singing um fever at that um little bar in LA that sounded great, and it was so cool seeing those uh, those two people um, who've been at that place for for decades. Uh, so I, you know, and the drama's good, and it maybe because of the music thing. Again, I haven't watched it in years, but are we getting like a different class of um, of contestants? Are they a little different than normal because of the music, or is it just as dramatic? I mean, I would say like very slightly different. Um... <laughs> Max, what do you reckon? I yeah, I I just I think that the pretense is gone here. You know, these are people who are shooting for fame anyway. So there's none of the um there's none of the are they here for the right reasons or not? Because there are no right reasons. You're there to get famous and hook up. Yeah, well, um, it, it's a gr- brilliant 
brilliant idea. I can't believe it took this long for someone. Someone just woke <laughs> up and they're like, wait a second, music competition and love, love show. <laughs> Combine them. So um, bravo to them. If they can work in a cooking show element, they will have like the world's most successful TV show. <laughs> Uh, look, I think that it is time for us to dive into our episode recap. I too have thoroughly enjoyed this journey after being very skeptical about anything when we heard about the premise of this show. It was so mm. it felt so hokey, so hard to cobble together. It's been tremendously enjoyable. I do want to say this episode flummoxed me a little bit, and I think it was maybe just a structural thing. Um, with the Australian Bachelor, we're used to a, a pretty sort of uh, firm format where episodes are about an hour and, you know, you can usually tell the amount of time that it's taken to make an episode and that sort of thing. I think this one, for the sake of narrative, they were kind of jumping from place to place and from time to time in a way that uh, left me a little confused. But it's kind of like it's an enjoying, it's an enjoyable, like, uh, confusion to have. Yeah, early on in the first episode, a lot of padding. You know, they're like, mm -hmm. they're showing us so many clips that are going to come. And I'm like, just start. Like, <laughs> what is the point of all these? Uh, you know, they're really just filling up the time. Um, you know, again, not, not to be too critical, but um, it, it just feel there's so many characters when you start. It's it just so, I'm like, who mm. who is that? I'm like, there's like four women that I can't, I don't know, I can't tell them apart, you know? And yeah. I, I almost also want them to just say, like, here's so-and-so. Don't pay attention to her because <laughs> we won't either, you know? Yeah, it's it, that's sort of the, the undercurrent of the show is, like, we're not really going to focus on these, like, five or six people. You don't really have to worry about it. But it'd be great if they could just come out and say, like, hey, uh, what's her face? Purple hair or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> people I can't even think of now as we do a podcast about it. Just, right, We'll right. get to them. We'll get to them in a week or two. And so I think that it makes sense for this episode for us to approach it kind of couple by couple, because I think that that might give us more of a linear feel to the episode, because God knows that when they were uh, cutting back and forth and back and forth inside the actual episode, I was like, wait, who is this? And why are you together now? And I would say structurally, I was a bit confused. So I've structured it in a way that makes a bit more sense to my brain. And hopefully it, uh, it works for you as cool. well. So, we resume with uh, Beard Boy Matt as our narrator. He gives us the lay of the land as far as the couples are concerned. And as they stand, they are two couples that we barely saw in episode one to this exact point. Brie and Chris, who have a batshit date later on. Mm. And also Theatre Kid Becca and a man who I'm referring to as Silent Danny. <laughs> he has not made a peep on this singing show. Absent Danny. Running alongside them are Not Here For Drama Jamie and previously Instagram famous American Idol Trevor, which then leaves this real hodgepodge of uh, Brandon, 34 Kentucky, Cystic Fibrosis Not-For-Profit Julia, uh, a man named John Mayer Jr. Ryan, <laughs> as well as last episode's narrator Rudy, Matt himself, Yoga Savannah, Subaru Hat Tristan... <laughs> Like this real amorphous blob of others who have not been given their due by the show. Just kind of hanging say, out. Just hanging out. By the end of this episode, two women are sent home. I can't tell you what they're called. Mm. <laughs> yeah. it's, a, it's a bit of a mess. And it's like, I, I understand them not bothering to introduce them if they're because they're editing the show and they know they're just going to be sent home anyway. 
Um, but you sure don't really feel for them at the end yeah. of the, the thing. Uh, so Chris Harrison arrives. He ensures that everyone is listening to their heart by specifically reminding them to Matt, is this something that happens in your day-to-day life? Does every so often like a father figure appear and uh, just reminds you that you need to be listening with what's in here? I will see you all very soon. As always, listen to your hearts. Uh, no, but I love, I mean, if when you, you think of these old showbiz stories about some like drunken uh, TV host who they just like push him out, like, come on, get out there and do your thing. And it really feels like it's gotten to that point with this guy where he's just like, why am I doing another episode? He's What's been doing it for... Called? He's been doing it for 18 years. 18 years he's been hosting this show. And he's only 47 years old. I looked it up. I was like, this guy looks like, he looks like he's 65 to me. Like, he's what a road drinking. miles on Chris Harrison. <laughs> yeah, he's just drinking away all the, uh, you know, the regret for having devoted his life to the show, it seems. You know, no disrespect. I would, I'd, I would trade um, lives in an instance, but... Um, <laughs> There's a lot I mean, you're talking to two people who are also beginning to devote quite a lot of their lives <laughs> to this show. We're only like four or five years in at this point, but I see it going the same direction. <laughs> 18 years later, where these like hard drinking Statler and Waldorfs <laughs> on the Bachelor balcony. <laughs> we have to be reminded of the name of the show moments before we walk onto the set. We're like, yeah, listen to your heart, right? Yep, you, that's you it. Do it. Okay. Hmm. Uh, so you're getting Chris... paid, p- getting paid a lot less for it too. I'm sure. <laughs> uh, Chris leaves a date card for not here for drama. Jamie, she and Trevor will be the first couple to go in depth and on a date this episode. And what a low budget date it is! They are busking <laughs> at the Venice Beach Boardwalk. So Trevor says that he grew up busking there, and me personally, uh. I once let a very despondent stranger tether internet from my phone on the Venice Beach Boardwalk very late at night many years ago. Interesting. Uh, Matt, do you want to talk about what the, the Venice Boardwalk represents to you? Um, you know, it, it's um, I've been to L.A. a couple times, and, um, you know, it's just a good, good place to go walk along the beach. But um, I thought it was, uh, it was definitely, like you say, a lo-fi date, but um, it, felt, uh, it, it felt kind of... Uh, kind of it felt kind of natural, believe it or yes. not. It didn't feel too mm. didn't feel too forced. Some of the other ones probably more forced, you know. But um, and I like Jamie and I like um, Tre- Trevor. I like both of them. A uh, little bit of an age difference there, mm. you know. And there, True. there are moments yeah. where I'm like, what's what's going on? But um, it, uh, I'm I'm rooting for both of them. And the show definitely seems to like Jamie. They're you know, she's front yeah. and center. Jamie seems to be like the most, uh, you could cut her out and put her in a, a different Bachelor franchise next season and no one would miss a beat. She's bubbly and uh, delightful. The camera likes her. Right. And it is yeah. almost as if these uh, lo-fi, low-budget dates that they're going on are leading to a little bit more authenticity. You can feel a little bit more of the um, quote-unquote romance uh, as it stands on the show. The vibe for this date is that they are performing the song Girl Crush by Little Big Town on their busking date. This wasn't a hit in Australia. This is the first time that I've ever heard this song. Zay yeah, had... I wasn't familiar. Yeah. Was this a big song in Me the US? Me neither. Okay. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have my finger on the pulse of the zeitgeist, but I, <laughs> I, I, it definitely hasn't crossed my path. 
mm-hmm. and it's kind of a weird pick because it's a song about a girl who is obsessing over another girl because that girl stole her lover. Oh, which like doesn't. I looked up the lyrics. I was curious about it because it, I wasn't familiar with it, and it really doesn't seem to click in with the narrative at all. <laughs> well, um, I, I, here's a, something I'm thinking about. Um, obviously, a lot of this is contrived and planned ahead of time. Uh, and you're you're musicians. Um, do you th- what do you think it is? Do you think they come to the show and they give the producers like a list of songs that they're ready to perform at any time? You know, or uh, or do you even know? Have you looked into it? Do you know how the, how they're doing this? I was trying to find out. I was looking at some of the songs because there's a few songs in this episode that I hadn't heard before, and I was like, okay, so ABC, which is the network that broadcasts this show, they're owned by Disney, and I feel like that you know they've got like a big vault of music that they could be pulling from that was my suspicion um but it turns out that of you know the of the main songs that we hear in this episode they're kind of coming from different major labels so mm. uh that theory is is dispelled a little bit i'm not too sure so my experience in having produced a music tv show before is with all kinds of things like this you want to mitigate risk right like you want to be calling into these people well ahead of time and saying, send us the songs that you know that you can sing. You might be asked to perform them in a moment's notice. Let's go. Because Mm. as much as you want things to feel spontaneous because it's TV and as much as uh, things I think are better for the program when it is, like with Mm. stuff like this, we're not taking any chances. Yeah, because they're given probably two minutes to put something together. And then they're like, great, you're performing for a bunch of strangers. (laughs) Now, the other thing here is um, just in uh, a performing musician sense, I cannot relate to this feeling of um, I'm about to go busking, nothing can go wrong, I honestly can't see anything going wrong. (laughs) Like, how often, as a performing musician, are you like, zero risk of unforeseen error? (laughs) Particularly in like a high traffic area like that, I'm like, okay, here are the 25 different things that could go wrong. I feel like I've had to that... Yes. Sand in my pants. <laughs> like, <laughs> bird attack is one of those ones though that, like, at any given time, I'm all. I feel like I'm always as a human person, low key prepared for a bird attack. That's true. We're not looking up often enough. <laughs> they could surprise us at any moment. It would. I don't. It would be. I would be so self conscious. You know. I guess these people. These people are loving the limelight. They they go into it for this. But I mean. If I had a camera crew around me in, in a situation like that, I would just be so, so embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. There's also a moment where Trevor is singing the song and he gets to the line, I want to taste her lips. And at this point, it's sort of halfway through a line in the song, but he's apparently so overcome with emotion that he stops playing. I think this is when they're rehearsing together and he's like, oh, lips. I love those <laughs> things. And then he stops playing and kisses her. There seems to be a real um, a lip fixation from the show this season. True. We see Michael Todd last week. I like your lips. This you week, can't stop thinking about him. You know, there's, there's some real there's some real lip stuff mm. here uh, in "Listen to Your Heart." Listen to your lips, maybe. Um, <laughs> anyway, what can possibly go wrong? Here is not a diva, Natasha, a newcomer entering the mansion, and she is. Here to make like the whalers and stir it up, little darling. Mm-hmm. Natasha explains that she is a pop singer who actually knows hot Trevor Gra- Trevor Graham. Goodness, <laughs> she knows hot Instagram Trevor before because she's friends with his ex. Right now, um, 
this is some fabulous editing because we cut between Natasha spilling the English breakfast about how Trevor was unfaithful in a relationship. But back on the date, we see Jamie and Trevor busking their way into a hot $83. (laughs) (laughs) I Is that good? I mean, I've spent a little bit of time busking uh, just around like my hometown and stuff like that. And it is not traditionally gone that well. Uh, which makes me think that maybe <laughs> somebody from production was kind of feeling bad. Because look at this. They, they, there's two of them. They're playing one song together, right? Mm. That's like four <laughs> minutes of busking. They're earning more than like... They're earning... That's like double the minimum wage in America. <laughs> yeah, uh, that money is, is way high. Um, uh, but... This whole thing, this whole, his history. So it turns out his history is that he cheated with his previous girlfriend and and Jamie, that's a, you know, that's a deal breaker for Jamie. She's, she's been Mm. cheated on in every relationship she's been in. (laughs) Every single one. Poor dear Jamie. She's 21 years old. That must have been like two relationships. (laughs) (laughs) But the whole thing is so contrived. And I just had so many questions. He's like, He's like, look, the relationship was ending, and I had, I texted, I had emotion, I cheated emotionally with someone else, and it's like, wait, like, oh, <laughs> right. okay. I, first, I want to be like, all right, who, uh, you know, what, what was on the texts, you know? But it, the whole thing, it, and then Jamie's just like, yeah, it's fine, you know? It, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's so forced. And the right. the best part about it is Natasha is framed as this like. You know, she's like, she's like probably like eight foot tall. She has very glamorous hair. She's got this very powerful presence. She storms in. She's like, I need to tell you this. (laughs) He sent some texts while he was still in a relationship. I don't, I don't like Natasha. I I don't under, I don't understand. I I can't remember who ends up picking her, um, but I don't know how she got, especially over Mel. I would have taken Mel over Natasha any day of the week. Yeah. Uh, Just... Natasha is just like it feels like the producers are are pushing pushing her, you know. There were a lot mm-hmm. of choices that were made that felt even and then I guess it was week 1, Julia Julia picked Sheridan in week 1, is that what happened? That's right, right yeah. I did not buy that for a, a second. I, I'm no. like, what? This does not make it. My wife was watching it. She's like, Sheridan. Like again, Sheridan and Natasha. It 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 feels like that they're being pushed again. You you guys know the inside scoop. Is this um? Is it known? Are the producers known for kind of telling people who to pick or what? There's a good chance. Yeah, it seems like um the production team have the idea of which narrative, what kind of story that they would like to tell. And then the producers themselves are very good at uh, kind of embedding themselves within the, like creating personal relationships with the people on the show. And sometimes subtly, sometimes overtly steering the action in a particular direction. Well, far be it for me to criticize them because they've created (laughs) this, uh, you know, this amazing uh, franchise, but still, you know, still there were some moments uh, where I, and oh, <laughs> the com- the comic relief guy Michael was he only in week one? <laughs> yeah, Michael he's Todd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that I mean, talk about forced. I mean, it, he just <laughs> oh. seems like a, a legitimate, just like a comedian. They're like, hey, just <laughs> act wacky, and we'll use whatever we can. I think he was found online. They were like searching hashtags of like 
like on Twitter or Instagram or something of like joke performers. So I don't know. I mean, it feels like just the most perfect fit. I wonder if like any of the three of us were like minutes away from being picked though. (laughs) (laughs) Would you go? I know Matt, you've been married for a long time. Um, Would you, if, if it were presented to you as a, you know, commercial opportunity for broadcasting your wonderful music, would you be interested in playing that part? Uh, I would, well, you know, I would feel, I I would not want to, um, kiss these women. I would feel, um, it it would just feel weird, Mm. you know? Um, but frankly, my wife would probably be pushing me and be like, go promote yourself. (laughs) Get out there. Kiss those girls. (laughs) Uh, I think that, uh, maybe the, um, the venture that makes sense, season two, celebrity guest judge. Oh, of course. Tell me more. This is where they bring you out in the Jason Mraz role. Or the Kesha role. <laughs> you can be rubbing shoulders you, with Mr. Kid, A to Z. Kids, let me, these love songs are going to get you nowhere. Let's think about what people aren't singing about. Have you done any poop songs? All right. Um, what's her name? Rudy? Rudy? Enough with the R&B and pop. It's time for poop. <laughs> We're only one letter away. We put an extra O in pop. <laughs> that O is where the dollars come in. Makes all yeah. the difference. <laughs> now, let's step down a little bit and talk about Natasha, because I don't think that she is on this show without Trevor already being on the show. Do you agree with that? Yeah, maybe they found some like public social media exchange between the two of them, and we're like, hmm, we're going to contact her. Mm. It seems like one of those things where, like, uh, we haven't heard her perform at all, and I'm sure she's a good singer, but Trevor being there is the reason, almost, that she is there, and she has been forcibly inserted into this show for the purpose of drama. And and they have also told her, here? please go in at 10, you know, like... Yeah. So, Natasha enters the mansion conspicuously when Jamie and Trevor are not there. And she kind of spills the tea to all of the other housemates. So the information is out there. Everyone knows it creates this dramatic irony where Jamie doesn't know the thing that everyone else knows. And when they do arrive arm in arm back at the mansion, Natasha approaches Trevor and she says, I know you. I'd like to talk about it. She's like, hi, I'm here to ruin your fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> and Trevor has no idea at this point that he's been completely stitched up by the show. Like he asks, oh yeah, that's cool. I'll just, I want to go and get settled first before we chat. It's a cocktail party. I'd love to get a drink. Yeah. Yeah. She's like, no, we are doing this now. And the camera does this beautiful pan to the Becca's face. And we barely hear Becca talk in this episode, but her expressive face in this scene is so beautiful where she's just like, oh, shit, (laughs) it's on. (laughs) So Natasha takes Trevor aside and she just like spins this boy who is trying to look good on TV round in circles. Like she's like, I know your ex. And then... Trevor says this, he goes, which one? <laughs> <laughs> which is a fair question, 
But in the context of this show, it's like you're about to get run up the flagpole, bro. It comes off like, you know? which one of the horror stories of my previous relationships <laughs> are you going to tell everyone about? Right, right. Um, so she just rorts him about the lying, the emotional cheating, and Trevor tries to argue the semantics of how long ago that they broke up, and then Natasha tells him, like, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter, and then he turns around and tries to tell her that they shouldn't talk about the tiny details. <laughs> it's so good. Mm. She just, like, railroads him. It is a, a bloodbath. Like, has anyone ever watched one of those YouTube videos um, where you can w- you watch a snake swallow a rat whole. <laughs> <laughs> That's what this felt like to me. Basically. Yeah, and he doesn't handle it well. He doesn't handle it well at all. No. Um, which is surprising because when everything comes out, whatever, whatever he's willing to reveal, like I said earlier, it doesn't seem to be that awful. And yet um, he is just, like you know, Right. He, she's got him in the corner and is just like giving him left ho- left and right hook combinations. <laughs> it and gives you the nothing. impression that whatever else that he might say, like anything that he might let out would be catastrophically worse than what we're dealing with here. He's got a it's, lot of other skeletons in his closet. Right. That's the yeah, that's it. This is the thing. This is I mean, it's the show has absolutely designed this to make you suspicious of Trevor, and I'm so aware of it, but I'm also sitting there being like I'm so suspicious of Trevor. What else have you done? (laughs) Um, So there's like, there's no way that Trevor was ever going to come off looking even a little bit good from this interaction. And while it's all happening, the other women are filling Jamie in on the details as they have been presented by Natasha. But in the end, as you say, Matt, it's all fine. Jamie and Trevor talk about it. Trevor says that he emotionally cheated when his relationship was ending. He just says um, she found some text messages, um, which is his own thing. But then, hilariously, he also says, I just wanted you to hear it from me before you heard it from anybody else. (laughs) (laughs) Too late, buddy. He snooze, you lose. Right? Yeah. At this point, like, the snakes are outside of the can. (laughs) Yeah, um, and I mean, Jamie go. She goes from you know in hysterics, you know, like we said, talking about she's all always been cheated on, and then just a, a total one eighty when she's like, "Okay, I forgive you," and yep. and she's right to forgive him, frankly, because um, you know maybe there's more and we'll learn about it, but for now it's like, oh, big, you know, Who big knows, deal. Yeah. You're texting some other girl as your relationship was ending. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. So. It also sort of like reeks of the um, uh, John Hamm episode of 30 Rock where um, beautiful John Hamm has no idea that people treat him differently because he's hot. (laughs) And like Trevor is just like, this is fine. I did nothing wrong. And to to be fair, he absolutely did nothing wrong, but he has no awareness that the show is not going to present it like that. Um, (laughs) And Jamie, poor Jamie is like, I have no reference. I don't know how to do this. uh, And I'm 21. And this is where you really feel the age difference, I think. Big time. Big time. So they make out. Trevor, at the end of the show, gives Jamie his rose. And in confessional, he says that he hopes Natasha is sent home. Okay. Now, let's move on to Bree and Chris. Largely absent from the first episode, but now headed to a guitar center on Sunset After Hours to jam. 
Brie gets the date card and she gets down on one knee to ask Chris on this date, which to be honest, I now hope becomes listen to your heart protocol. (laughs) And we are off in the limo to play some songs. I actually think this is a pretty cute idea for a date. I kind of love the idea of being allowed to just muck around in a music shop after hours. Although maybe it's just that I haven't really left my house that much in six weeks and anything sounds pretty good. (laughs) But there is something to this idea that it's a pretty low budget date and it leads to one of the most batshit human interactions that I think that I've ever seen on TV. So what happens here is that we see Brie demoing different kinds of instruments, school of rock style, you know, like she's bashing the drums, she's shredding a flying V. I mean, how often in your in your musical career have you gone into a store like that and done the exact same thing? Mm. I know that I have. I noticed that the guitar that she finally settles on is not to be like a gear snob or whatever, but she picks this like hideous black Ibanez, like she's like Joe Satriani or something. Um, <laughs> but then I realize when she sits down with it that she's actually left-handed, so potentially she probably only had like five or six guitars to choose from in the entire <laughs> shop. Uh, so they are seated. Chris has a guitar in hand, and Bree says, "I have fifty thousand lyrics coming into my head right now. Can't relate. Mine are usually like um, the like nonsense lyrics from the Hamster Dance, um, <laughs> <laughs> or like theme songs to TV shows. Right, right. Matt, you've written more songs than anyone that I can think of. Um, what is that process like for you?" when you sit down and uh, inspiration strikes? Do you just, do you feel it in the moment or are you more workmanlike in that you're like, this is what I'm writing about. These are the lyrics. Uh, I'm very workmanlike. I don't, um, I'm not a big fan of like the concept of inspiration and they kind of do, they kind of push that, you know, a lot of cliched um, approaches to inspiration, especially in that scene, you know, like, uh, I would not feel very inspired in that particular moment, you know? Um, mm. So, um, but, um, you know, she's cool. She's cool and he's cool. And then what's going on with the song that they end up jamming oh on? Oh, my God. <laughs> Let's oh, talk I have, about that. <laughs> I have a clip which oh. I will drop into the podcast because I think it's extremely strange. So the way that I'll set this up, the way that this happens is Bree says she expresses herself through song and Oh boy, does she mean it. She asked Chris to play a moody chord progression and then your girl just goes for it. It is some of the weirdest TV I think I've ever seen where they literally sing their feelings at each other. I do, I do, I do, I do. 
doing, but I'm here for you. And it was the best decision I have made in a long time. <laughs> yeah, it's really uncomfortable. Very uncomfortable. <laughs> and then and and you can just see them like at some point basically they're like I got nothing. I got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> they both give up. <laughs> so the the most uncomfortable part of it for me is uh so Chris sings when you gave me that rose, oh gosh, so nervous. And Bree sings every pedal screaming your name, <laughs> Christopher. <laughs> it's also funny because we've never heard him referred to as Christopher until this moment. No, 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 no. She was like, I gotta have something that fits the syllable count. Let's go. I mean, let's go. They're in a tough. That's a tough pos- position to be in. They got uh-huh. like a camera crew in there, and they're like, "All right, you two, sing to each other." I mean, they're doing the best they can. I, you know, um, yes. I, I, I've written twenty thousand songs, and I couldn't have done better. I mean, that that's hard. Right. This is the thing where it's nothing if not authentic, but the authenticity <laughs> is kind of what makes it uncomfortable. Right. And at the same time, this is why we never broadcast our songwriting sessions. <laughs> You know, yeah, like it's not pretty. It's not pretty. That's an ugly process of refinement. You know, um, songs in their unfinished ideation demo form, like they can be at the start. I'm confident that every song that I've written is objectively poor craft at the start, in its nascent. I so this is um, fine in terms of the product that appears on the TV, but because it is what it is, there was never. It was never going to be good, but it's cool. It's cool as a musician to to watch that and to be, and to be like, hey, I I can uh, I can totally relate with what they're going, what, what's happening right there, and it's such a cool uh, element to throw into this show, um, I think. And um, you know, I, I I found myself relating with you know with a, a lot of them, and it, it's a it's a good idea. I I wonder uh, if they're going to keep going with this. I couldn't agree more. Like, I, I feel like, because we watched a lot of these Bachelor shows and there is a lot of talk about people being vulnerable and people being authentic. And what that means is basically they will say some kind of pre-prepared narrative about their life. And then they will say things like, I love you and uh, I love getting to know you and I'm falling in love with you and that kind of thing. And essentially, it doesn't really feel that vulnerable at this point to do things like that. It feels like kind of an expectation. And so this is like a whole new avenue of uh, opening up in a moment that is, I mean, it's like a moment of weakness, you know, it's a moment that you're not necessarily especially proud of and just saying like, I want to share this with you. Right, right. Yeah. 100%. And when they're, when they're um, even during like downtimes back of the house where they're kind of jamming on the piano or whatever. It's cool. It's it's a it's a great option that the editors must have. At any moment, they can just edit to them singing. Like I think they were doing "Stand by Me" at one point or mm-hmm. uh, whatever, and just like uh, what a it's a nice nice option to have at any moment uh, that they want to just kind of chill for a bit. Especially since they are trying to fill um, <laughs> two hours. <laughs> so I guess. much time. <laughs> So we catch up with them later in the episode. Uh, we learn some stuff about Brie having bought a wedding dress, but then her fiancé at the time was like, nah, don't buy it, and then that was the end of the relationship. Uh, they, they're at a Pretty piano rough. at some point um, where they're singing I Can't Help Falling In Love With You. Beautiful song. 
I feel like this is maybe the prettiest piece of music that we have heard on the show so far. And it's like four bars. It's like the first line of this song. And then they immediately stop singing it and start kissing instead. <laughs> okay, so for this dress situation. Now, yes. it was, she's looking at the dress. She calls him. And he says, don't buy it, right? Yep. I think so, yeah. Okay. So, and then she's like, I can't believe he broke up with me that way. And I'm like, yes, but... You don't have to return the dress, you know? Right, I'm true. just saying. <laughs> Saved you a lot of trouble. It could have been a deposit situation as well because it might have had to be tailored to fit her on the wedding day and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. clearly he should have done it a little earlier, but it would have been worse if he had done it later. Right. That's right, you know, and it's not like we find out later that he is incidentally texting some other woman as the relationship is ending, Trevor. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, look, they sound beautiful singing uh, I Can't Help Falling in Love With You. It's a beautiful song. We catch up with them again later in the episode just to reaffirm that they're still in love. There's no question. Bree is receiving Chris's rose at the end of this episode. Bree says, like, right after telling this wedding story, um, I'm so willing to find out what love is with you, whatever that entails, because I think that I might be falling in love with you. And that scares me, but I don't care. And then Trevor says, it's so scary to admit, but I think I'm falling for you too. These guys have been on one date. They've known each other for like two weeks tops. Yeah, I wish I wish they were a little bit more honest, you know, and um <laughs> and also even talking strategy, you know, instead of right? talking love, talking strategy. If they're like, well, you know, like I know so and so wants this one, but I get to p- if I get to pick first, I'm gonna just shake things up, you know, like that would be kind of fun. This is the fun stuff where like the benefit to being in a couple through the entire show like Chris and Bree undoubtedly are going to be is that you get to be on the TV all the time singing your songs and if you are musicians who want to make it in the music industry all of this TV exposure is kind of invaluable you want to get in front of Kesha you want to get in front of Mr. A to Z fuck yeah this is the strategy (laughs) yeah and I mean I don't see like I don't see who's Savannah with. Savannah's with Brandon. I mean, those two are they're together. I, I I'm assuming for as long as they possibly can. I don't see Trevor and um, Jamie ever being apart. And obviously, nope. I mean, Bree and Chris, they are they are together. So I just want. I mean, I don't watch it all the time, so you guys can tell me. But like, is, could that be a problem? The fact that they're so set together um what do you think i think so you know um it limits the option for the show to create drama and sometimes i think they have shuffled couples off into the sunset on uh like parallel shows like they do bachelor in paradise which runs a similar format and if couples are around for too long and not having any drama at all they tell the beautiful love story and then they just like Get rid of them. You know, I have a feeling this not- is exactly what's happened with Bree and Chris. Is that they right. met? Sorry, they met. They instantly clicked, and then the producers were like, "Well, what do we have to work with here? They're just having a nice time together. Let's put them right. in the background, and then we'll worry about it later." Even more so, Becca and Danny. Yeah, who are a couple? We don't know a thing about them. No, I don't think we've met Danny at all. So the first half of the episode is kind of centered around all the drama that goes on with Trevor and Jamie and Natasha, and then also this beautiful, uncomfortable Brie and Chris date. 
And the back half of the episode centers around all of the drama with Julia and Brandon and their orbit of relationships. But in the middle, there's this interesting collection of people who are sort of side plots, some of them receiving roses, getting together, and then others like Mel, who I want to touch on first. She's a tw- she's 27, a bartender from New York, kind of doing her own thing in this episode. She doesn't receive a rose. She seems to fall pretty hard for um, hot Brandon from Kentucky, but it doesn't feel like Brandon is taking her very seriously at all. Did anyone else feel this way? Yeah, I liked Mel a lot, and... um. I don't know why um, she was in this position of, of desperation, you know, um, and and it, it's, it, it was hard for me to understand. Like, I, I you know, we, we knew Mel through episode one and two and, um, and she seemed very likable. And then suddenly Ruby and Natasha come in and and they end up getting roses. I mean, we barely meet R- Ruby. Yeah, we don't know who her, who that is. Yeah, and Natasha's just the, this busybody gossip girl, and um, it's like, like wh- how I don't, I don't, I don't, I just didn't buy it, you know, and um, you know, and it just, I mean, the the stench of desperation was 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 very strong with poor Mel, and I, I felt for her. Right, me too. You know, I think that maybe uh, we've all been Mel at one point in our lives, but to see it so. To see it play out so specifically on the TV for her really made my empathy bone hurt. Like, it seems like she fell so hard for this man who was much more interested uh, in dating other people. And then we get that heartbreaking quote from her where she says, Kissing Brandon felt like one of the best things I ever did in my life. Ouch. (sighs) And... Again, with the strategy, like instead of just like throwing herself at, at at so many different people, like just pick, you know, pick one. I mean, and and why is Sheridan picking Julia when right. when when Mel's available? Like Julia is clearly doesn't like him. Like, and yeah. is he just playing the like I'm gonna I'm just gonna love you until you love me card? Is that what he's going for between Sheridan and Julia? And he's likewise, got the blinders uh, on. Yeah, it's it, and then Matt is Matt ends up with um what's her name Rudy, Rudy right? Yes, and and that's another one that I I don't I didn't necessarily buy either. So I thought Mel had a lot of options, and um, I feel for her. Mm. Me too. Yeah, Rudy uh, and Matt are the next couple that we should address here because there's a lot of craziness going on there. Shout out first of all to Rudy's lime green tracksuit. Totally yeah, relaxed. Great big look in this episode <laughs> these two left off on a pretty poor note in the last episode rudy just crushed matt before the last rose ceremony because he took mel to see the plain white tees in the backyard <laughs> instead of her um okay. matt did you like the plain white tees performance oh yeah that was great it was a, a fun little show it's it's fun they didn't like clearly um matt and who who, who did he take he took mel he took mel Okay, Matt and Mel, they got up on stage, uh, it seemed, but they didn't really show any of the performance. I, I guess no. it, it didn't go very well, is what I'm Maybe guessing. Maybe they crashed and burned, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but now Rudy needs a rose, and they're walking in the garden, and you can kind of feel like, hey, Rudy thinks maybe the vibe is still there, or maybe she just really needs a rose to stay on the TV. Who can say? But 
for this to work, we obviously need a hit of drama. And for some reason, that comes in the form of Rudy making out with Ryan, who is the John Mayer lookalike from the last episode who went on a date with Jamie. So Ryan is somewhat of a, a busy man on the night. We'll get to him in a minute. But yeah. their kiss is kind of like this necessary inclusion, inclusion because now Rudy needs to go to Bearded Matt, who she chewed up and spat out last episode, and explain what's up. So she describes their kiss to Matt as the most awkward thing that she has ever felt in her entire life. And their conversation Thanks. is like pure frenetic energy. Xavi. Have you got a clip? Yeah. I just didn't want you to feel like um, I wasn't still like into you. So unfortunately for me, I'm still feeling you. Even though you're like, oh yeah, like Savannah, like Becca, like I'm like, oh, oh yeah, let's go. Like oh. I'm number twenty on his. List, that's but not. It's fine. That's not true at it's all. Fine. That's not true at all. But I don't it's know. Fine. I don't know this list that you got. Because you wrong. told me. You told wrong. me. It's you wrong. told me. I Yesterday. told you, maybe I told you because, <laughs> because I wanted to rile you up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well, now I'm oh! <laughs> That's something I would do. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's just chaos at this point. She is like, I mean, it's it's des- desperation, as you were saying, Matt. Like, it's really like the absolute end of the night and everyone is kind of running around like a chicken with its head cut off. Like... You know, I think there's probably quite a bit of alcohol flowing at this point as well. That's kind of my big theory for Rudy is uh, she's just kind of like following the wind wherever it takes her. Yeah, uh, I think Rudy is great TV um, and I would 100% be friends with her. But like at a certain point, this went from the Bachelor listen to your heart to the Fast and the Furious listen to your heart. (laughs) I I just this it struck me. that the show, and again, I'm new to this. It's it's rather wholesome, you know. Mm. Like they're they're sharing some kisses, and like and that's it. There's like no talk of of anything uh, beyond that. Um, and uh, you know, all the conversations are just about finding love and whatnot. It, it was kind of um, it, it was nice for me to to see that. It's like you know. Like a 14-year-old kid could watch this with her parents and, and no one would be embarrassed. Is, is that usually the way it goes? Um, I would say largely. They will deal with some somewhat more complicated or adult subject matter from time to time. But I do think they are really just wi- like aiming for the widest possible audience and trying yeah, not to it's, it's, make anyone feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's good old-fashioned entertainment. <laughs> Especially compared with like other reality TV and that kind of thing, I think it could get into such messy territory and I think it opts out of that. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and there are obviously times in this show's history which have been uh, quite fraught, but mm. for this uh, franchise, the Listen to Your Heart franchise in particular, so far everyone is is coming off as really wholesome. Speaking of which, Natasha and Ryan. <laughs> Television's favorite couple are mainly included here because we need to know where Ryan's Rose is going. Basically, there's 12 seconds of conversation before they are like fish kissing on the couch. This was the weirdest kiss that I've ever seen. 
Natasha, she is, I think, now nine foot tall. She's just growing in stature every time we see her. She grabs Ryan, poor sweet innocent baby John Mayer Jr. Ryan. She instantly starts dumpling compliments on him. She's like, oh, I'm actually most attracted to like the nerdy, like small, uh, knows how to play John Mayer songs type. Um <laughs> And they share this, like, what must be the most, like, meaningful, like, heartfelt, passionate, not at all desperate last minute makeout, Uh, which is really something to watch. And you're right. It is, like, just they're both struggling for breath and hoping that the other one can provide it somehow, both giving each other CPR. (laughs) At the same time. (laughs) Yeah, I don't... So, now, who did Ryan... Ryan Ryan went went on a date in episode one, yes? With Jamie. So Ryan went with Jamie, but That's right. Jamie Jamie Shows is obviously Trevor. into Trevor. So Ryan mm. is just kind of floundering around, and Natasha's taking that opportunity. Natasha's I, basically I got a list of names. She's crossed off a bunch of them. She's like, oh, this Ryan guy doesn't seem to be doing anything. <laughs> I don't buy it, though. I mean, they do not seem like a match <laughs> at all. No. Nope. <laughs> I feel like they had a conversation that wasn't put on the show where they were like, look, neither of us wants to go home. Let's pretend something's happening here for the next half hour and we'll we'll talk about it tomorrow. You know? <laughs> yeah. We'll work out the fine details tomorrow. Right. But for now, oxygen, please. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Ryan does give Natasha his rose, much to the chagrin of both Jamie and Trevor. And that kind of pulls us into at least all the couples that were shown on the show. There's another couple that comes through right at the end where I'm very, very surprised to learn that one man is actually on the fr- on the show. And now it is time for us to dive into Julia and Sheridan and Brandon and Savannah. This is the drama that occupies the second half of the episode. The TLDR here is that Subaru, Austin, Sheridan is super into cystic fibrosis, not-for-profit Julia. But Julia is just not that into Sheridan. Mm. So Sheridan is given a date card. He asks Julia by set it, He sets up the stakes as, um, by the end of this date, we're either going to be a couple or not. Now, can someone remind me, does it work out that way? Uh, well, one of those two things happens. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of think both of those two things. Like, he's prophetic in that, like, we are either going to be a couple or not. I guess so, yeah. Still kind of a hanging thread. That's the state that plays out. He's mm. exactly right, but not in the way that he wants to be. Mm. Uh, so the vibe is Sheridan really wants to lock it down. And Julia says that while it's flattering, it does make her a bit nervous. I kind of think this is like, this is one of those things where it's pretty easy to see both sides of this at the start. Do you agree? How do you mean? Yeah, I mean, I can tell I can tell that Julia is not very into him, mm. but um, also they are they are kind of like they're a good duo when they're up there performing at the radio station. It, it worked pretty darn well, I think. And um, I, I could see I could see them being a match, especially like as a musical musical duo. And um, the, the, the thing about Julia, though, is. Julia, you gotta make it to next week. Why are you, like, just yep, right? Play along with Sheridan, you know? Yeah, because right. she, does does she really think she's gonna break up Brandon and uh, Savannah? Because those two seem solid, as solid as um Chris and, and Bree. Um, Bree. Right, exactly. Yeah. So I, 
feel the exact same way about this, but Julia has deluded herself, or maybe the producers have uh, led her down the garden path of thinking that maybe Brenna and Savannah aren't as strong as uh, they factually seem to be. But uh, yeah, Sheridan describes this whole situation as being like torture, frustrating <laughs> and scary. <laughs> Um, so obviously the thing, as you say, is, uh, Julia needs Sheridan's rose, but he's more into her than she is into him. And if that's to continue, probably she needs to cut him loose. But at the same time, uh, like that can't happen right now because they both still need to be on the TV. So as you alluded to Matt, the date is that they are headed to a radio studio for an interview and live performance on Valentine in the morning. Now, and what a great moment when the the one of the hosts says like, "So, uh, have you kissed other people?" And and Sheridan's like, "No." And like, "What about you?" She's like, "Well." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. You can hear his heart breaking like across across the continents. Yeah. Here in Sydney, Australia, I was like, "Oh, oh, that hurt him." Yeah. Um so they performed this song The Bones by Marin Morris. So um, here, okay, sorry, just to just to set this up a little bit. They're on live radio and they are asked a few basic questions and then the, an embarrassing moment happens. And then with seemingly no notice, they're then given like a couple of minutes to put a song together, which they're going to perform live on this widely broadcast radio show. <laughs> I think it's really striking yeah. how half of these dates are like some kind of cute musical hangout, like having a low stakes, like little jam together at a guitar center. And then the other half are like, you are now required to perform something together for the first time to a big audience in like 10 minutes. Yeah, and yet, and yet, the the live performance ends up being less, um, you know, uh, more together than the than the the casual thing because right. clearly they're pre- they're preparing for it. And frankly, like, uh, whatever, you know. But there is a lot of padding in these episodes anyway. Like, why not just be honest about it and show them rehearsing ahead of time or something, you sure. know, yeah, rather totally. than. Ca- they're yeah. kind of like misleading misleading us into thinking that this is just happening spontaneously. I think that's the narrative that they want to I mean particularly for like people who aren't very knowledgeable about music and and how performances get put together and that sort of thing. I think they like the idea that you might think, "Wow, these people just spontaneously know how to collaborate and they've just instantly found each other's like key and everyone's groove <laughs> and the right tempo and all that." Right, I know. When they're harmonizing and whatnot, I'm like, come on. Um, <laughs> and while we're at it, they brought up um, A Star is Born, I'm pretty sure, in the first episode, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, I only watched that recently, too. And the same thing happens in that movie where he <laughs> invites her to the show. And then, like, the song that they played together in a parking lot the night before, he's he's revamped it. He's added, a, like, a bridge and a couple verses. And... Like, why not just have a quick scene before the show where they're, like, hashing it out together? Like, right. come on! The whole band knows it. They've worked out. He's like, yeah, I just threw together a little orchestration here. <laughs> <laughs> like, like wh- why? Like, show I him. guess it's a fantasy. It's a fantasy for non-musicians to just watch. But it would just... <laughs> For the re- for the musicians out there, like we're all all of us are just like, come on! Even like a five second insert shot of him handing out sheet music or guitar tabs or something that would right. do it. You don't have to do anything That's else. That's all I That's need. Enough. That's all I need. 
So yeah, the song is "The Bones" by Marin Morris. I hadn't heard this song before either. No. Um, did you? Do you know this one, Matt? Nope, never heard it before. But uh, I but loved they did, it. I, th- I think they did a good job. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great song. I I went and listened to it uh, late last night as I was transcribing, uh, as I was writing down my notes for this episode. And there's two versions of it. So there's one version that is just Marin Morris, and then there's another version with the Irish singer called Hosea. And Mm. I would encourage you to do a side-by-side of Sheridan and Hosea. They are the same man. Do you mean just visually? Because I thought the same thing. (laughs) They They look like so similar mm. it's kind of wild that's pretty cool it'd be cool if that's a big reveal later in the, <laughs> <laughs> the end of it. yeah yeah it's like undercover boss <laughs> yeah sheridan's like I've, I've been this irish singer all along <laughs> well they're already mixing genres why not throw an undercover boss into the, the mix? sure yeah <laughs> Uh, and the other cool thing that happens while they're performing this song, um, I mean, the harmonies are beautiful, the performance is really good, but then the radio host, they cut to him at a certain point, and he does this, like, real dramatic fist pump. He's so excited! <laughs> <laughs> because here's what happens, okay? So they're singing the song together. Or, you know, it, it does this weird thing that I keep noticing as a pattern in this show, which is they sing on their own for mm. at least, like, a minute. Like, Sheridan is just standing there smiling at Julia while she sings the first verse and chorus, which is really strange. As you said, Matt, like, the key thing of this show should be them singing together and you hear their voices in harmony and you go, oh, these people should be together. Like, that's the easiest thing to communicate. For some reason, they're not doing it. I guess maybe they're saving it. Um, But, yeah, and then uh, towards the end of the song, when they've run out of lyrics to sing, they start making out live on radio, which is (laughs) such a flex. You can probably hear that on the microphone, (laughs) like the saliva flying. And then the radio DJ is at that point so impressed with himself for setting this thing up that he, like, fist bumps right off of the air. He's like, we got it. What a great radio (laughs) moment that no one can hear. Right. Um, But, yeah, uh... They return from their date. Everything is all rosy until Julia learns that her other potential connection is uh, Brandon, and he is off on a date with yoga free spirit Savannah. Mm. So I want to go there for a minute before we come back to Sheridan and Julia, because the second half of the episode is like, I don't know, it's all interconnected and all of these pieces are... uh, moving and interlocking at different speeds we've been um my my fiance and i've been doing a puzzle this week in isolation what's your puzzle i have to say uh it's called woman relaxing (laughs) great it was not um by the end of it i don't think either of us were woman relaxing (laughs) that's frustrating shit i don't i don't have uh near enough patience to be able to uh to work out how all the tiny little pieces fit, but the vernacular, the puzzle vernacular, is really hitting me hard now. I um, I think about the editors of uh, this show. Like mm. they must have so much footage. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And, yep. And oh, I can't. I I mean, in one way, it's good because they're you know, they have every angle of. I I I wonder how many just like fully positioned cameras there are stationed throughout the house to begin with. So it's good to have options for those. But then, I mean, I bet you you could edit an entire season and tell an almost completely different story, you know, that focuses on, on you know, Danny or something, yeah, you know? Right, yeah. And so it's just, it's just so interesting uh, t- to think about. Um, I guess 
I bet they do a lot of it on the fly, and you probably can't think about it too much. You're just like, look, uh, you know, this Jamie, Jamie's pretty fun to watch, and uh, and this thing with Trevor, let's push that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I I wonder, are there probably dates that happen that they just never show? Do you think? I think so for a show like this, for sure. Like, there's uh, everything that goes on with uh, Becca and Danny, and we don't know how connected they are, but I would say that. Or, or I would at least assume that there are definitely dates. Much as um, there's only, I mean, there's only so much time that we have. <laughs> this, in this these episodes just plot. fly by. <laughs> uh, imagine that, like, if you were on the show and you went, you went to Capitol Records and you recorded a song with <laughs> with um, s- studio musicians, and then they don't even show it. You yeah, know? Like, like what? No. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're you're telling your friends, I swear it happened. It happened. <laughs> There are a couple of people on this episode who I think will probably have to try and explain to people that they were on the show, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, two of these people are not Brandon and Savannah, who are very much on the show. Yes. Um, as we've learned, Brandon is hot property uh, with good reason. You know, he's an army vet. He's got the sticky uppy kind of hair. He plays guitar. He sings. He wears a leather jacket. We know from this show that that's code for cool alternative dude. Yeah. And he and Savannah are going to the Dresden Jazz Club in Los Angeles. So we talked about this date a little earlier. There's a beautiful older couple who are the house band. and Marty see- and Elaine. Marty and Elaine. You can see Brandon and Savannah are just kind of clicking. You know, the conversation's flowing. They seem interested in each other. And they're invited up to perform the song Fever. And to the exact point that you were making before, Zave. This is where you see two people kind of playing with each other and they're mm. both connecting over the song from the get-go because it is a duet. Right. I don't know how much actual chemistry they have here. I I got the impression that maybe the song was doing a bit of the heavy lifting um, because, as you say, it's a duet and it's this kind of flirty, jazzy sort of number. Um, and it's it's also just, like, such an uncomfortable position that they're in, like... Make, like they're in front of this room full of people who were they aware that this was a reality TV show taping or are they just trying to have a pleasant evening at a jazz bar? I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, I give them I, I give them credit though. It's a it's a good performance I think by both of them, especially Savannah. You know, oh, yeah. and um, and it's not necessarily you know you see her genre is acoustic pop. You know, so uh, it's not True. necessarily in in her uh, wheelhouse, and and so I. Th- she was better than I expected her, much better than I expected her to be as a performer. So that was cool. She and, was fabulous. Um, and it was also cool to see the 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 couple performing. I first saw them in the movie Swingers. Do, do you remember, have you seen oh, Swingers? That's no what they. Oh yeah, right. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, and that was from like '94. You know, and they yeah. looked when I watched Swingers for the first time. I was like, look at those two old people performing at this club, <laughs> and like, like 25 years later, they're still doing it. That is. That's the dream gig. That's it's amazing. So, cool. so yeah, Savannah's great on this. You can see her like she really leans into the beat. She's like doing the the jazz thing of anticipating and coming in almost before or on the offbeat. She's really good. We see them kiss 
And we learn that Savannah is confident in her connection with Brandon heading into the rose ceremony. Again, it's a kiss that takes place on stage in front of a room full of people. It's so strange. The show is so weird. There are just moments where I'm like, they had to set up a crane shot for this. So like, there's a camera pulling out and there's just a room full of people who are like, are we still meant to be clapping while they're kissing? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So yeah, Savannah is confident in her connection with Brandon leading into the rose ceremony. And that leads us pretty nicely back into the Sheridan and Julia saga. It is the day of the rose ceremony. Julia finds Sheridan somewhere in the mansion. He is smiling a smile as wide as this episode is long. And (laughs) she's basically like, bro, nah, still want to see where things are with the man that I like more than you. (laughs) She has the best line here, which is like, I respect you like so greatly and I respect you a lot. And uh, I just want to be like so transparent through this process. So I just need to like figure everything out. It's like, just say it. You don't know each other that well. He's dumped. Move on. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Julia's like, I still want to see where things are with the man that I like more than you, but obviously I still need a backup, so... Yeah, well, I guess that's it, yeah. Yeah, and Sheridan is like, I am wounded, also, I love you. He's destroyed. Yeah, it's pretty much how it plays out between the two of them for the rest of the episode. Sheridan is hopelessly devoted to Julia, Julia is all in on Brandon... There's this incredible moment that I just want to, um, I want to drop in a clip here because, um, while, uh, Sheridan is distraught because his heart's been broken like this, Rudy and newcomer Ruby are inside and they're singing a version of Amy Winehouse's Love is a Losing Game, but they get the chords wrong and it's like, yeah, it's like hugely wrong and it's really frustrating. I didn't know. I, so I didn't, I didn't know that song, um. Not not a big wine head, not a wino over here. Um, but I thought it was beautiful. I thought that their version of whatever the song was, I was like, oh, this is really pretty. They sound great. Don't get me wrong. I think it's one of the better moments of collaboration that we actually see on the show, at least so far, um, mm. which is interesting because it's the only really purely platonic one um, that seems to have come up. sucks i'm still into julia and that's the difference between listening to your head and your heart now sheridan we're supposed to believe he's just head over heels in love with julia and there's nothing that can be done about it Mm. but let's assume the man has some savvy he understands he's (laughs) on this show okay (laughs) What is Sheridan? What is your plan? You're gonna pick Julia, who clearly doesn't like you, and mm. then what's gonna happen next week? Think about next week. Right. Pick someone who's not gonna, who you know, <laughs> who's gonna be grateful and maybe will repay you to keep you going. Yes, exactly. There is a complete lack of strategic forethought from Sheridan here because now what's gonna happen is that he's going to pick Julia. Julia next week is going to give her rose to Brandon, and Sheridan's gonna be off the fucking show. Right. That'll be something if, yeah, if Julia gets Brandon from Savannah, 
then, whoa, now things are going to be heating up big time if that happens. Mm. Yeah, I, I also want to say, like, it's fine that Julia likes the other man more than she likes Sheridan. They've right, known each other but for two Julia, days. It's yeah, the yeah, idea totally of fine. the show to figure out what connection is going to be the strongest and most meaningful. But Julia, just wait, I, you know, yep. wait a week. <laughs> wait a week. Like, yep. placate Sheridan because... I I was ready for Julia to be left in the dust, you know, and and she mm-hmm. would have deserved it. She yes. she is so lucky because after that date, she should have said, "Look, I'm putting all my eggs in the Sheridan basket, and then I'll 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 deal with with everything else next." But she go, you know, she, and like Brandon, Brandon kissed her too, right? Yes, right. Yes, I can't so, believe it. <laughs> this is what happens next here. So finally, an actual conversation between Brandon and Julia. From the start of the episode, it feels like we've heard about how Brandon and Julia have this big connection. But this is like literally the first that we've seen of it this episode. Um, it's Their connection is fine. It's like it's about 90 seconds worth of conversation before we see them making out. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, and it's, it. it seems to be kind of a strategic chat because they're talking about, like, this is just after I think Mel and Brandon have made out. Um, and mm. then the next thing we see is Brandon talking to Julia about how he actually cares about Savannah really genuinely. And, and, and he's like, as as you do with Sheridan, right? It's the most confusing p- point where the, the whole tangled web sort of comes <laughs> into a clump. And then Julia just goes, yeah, I do, but I also want to do what's best for me. And then she lays this big steamy smooch on him. And I suppose it's meant to be the the centerpiece of the drama and you're meant to think, like, what's going to happen? But it is also the most confusing part of the episode. Yeah, and I don't I don't buy it. I don't I don't buy that um, Brandon is interested in Julia at all. Um, and in a situ in other in other, ep- um, you know, series where there's couples like in a situation like that, does does someone ever just say, like, no, like or is it just common courtesy that you just kiss whoever whoever leaves in <laughs> i guess yeah maybe they just know it's only gonna go for six episodes they only have to be here for a few weeks they're just like well what's the harm like none of this is really gonna be that serious at the end of the day <laughs> yeah it's like um you visit some european countries and uh the culture is that you kiss twice on the cheek pre-covid obviously sure. um it, you visit the bachelor mansion and the culturally acceptable way to greet someone is that you just open your entire mouth <laughs> and see how much of your face you can fit inside their face. Different rules uh, When apply. in the Bachelor Mansion, do as they do. Yeah. yeah. So uh, the other thing here is that Julia totally throws Savannah under the bus in front of Brandon for not fitting in with the other girls. We haven't seen it in the show. I didn't like it very much, but um, Julia's like, yeah, look, all the girls are so clicking. Like, I've cried with these women, but Savannah, mm-mm, she's kind of out there doing her own thing. And Brandon sticks up for Savannah. She's like, or he, he says, I genuinely care for Savannah. And Julia says, that's surprising. Wow. It's yeah, so well, I mean, frankly, it's like, it's like, I applaud Savannah for not clicking with the rest of these these uh, gossipy ladies. You know, like it, it it's a testament to her character that she's above all of it. She's a free spirit, self described. True. Um, today I saw also this, this is a tangent. Uh, we walked past a car which had a custom license plate, and the idea is it's one of those cars where a man is obviously sleeping inside of his van, and. 
these custom license plates are expensive, right? And I get it that you're, you know, um, living your life of wanderlust out on the open road, sleeping wherever night falls. His custom license plate, frugal, is what it's spelled. <laughs> I mean, just, I mean, by definition, if you're paying money for a custom license plate, I mean, you're right. contradicting yourself yeah. right there. This is the, it's, it's the peak of wanton vanity spending. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he stole the car No, because the license plate would have been there before It still doesn't work <laughs> So it all resolves itself uh, at the rose ceremony We hear from Julia saying I need to be with Brandon That's all that matters The best thing that happens, I think, in this episode uh, With a lot of highlights throughout um, Chris Harrison comes back out and he reiterates that the men have got the power tonight and three women will be going home. And then he imparts this incredible wisdom, which is, I think, maybe the second of three times tonight that the show's name is said in full. Tonight, I urge you, more than ever, listen to your heart. See you later. More than ever, <laughs> you have to listen to your heart. <laughs> It, yeah, they're really pushing it, you know. I, yeah. I I don't love I don't love the title. I don't love the listen to your heart title. And mm. I I I'm really concerned that later in the series they're going to perform that song. Oh yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's like that's the season finale Closing with all number. the cast. Yeah, exactly. Like they're wandering out with big candles like this is a vigil. <laughs> <laughs> There's a children's choir behind them. Yeah, yeah, 100% suddenly Eric Clapton's off to the side with a guitar solo. <laughs> Uh, um, so she says, Julia says, if Brandon doesn't give his rose to me, I will be shocked. And almost immediately we see Brandon choose Savannah, mm. breaking the hearts of Julia and Michelle. Whose name is process. Mel. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> now, Sheridan gives his rose to Julia, but then we see Brandon pull Julia aside and say that he's glad that Julia is still here so they can sort this all out. What a mess! <laughs> I'm sure that's going to happen. I'm <laughs> sure that's going to go great for you, Brandon. It, yeah, I mean, there. this is exactly the strategic thing. If, if you're in Brandon's shoes at the moment, the answer is no. The answer is no, thank you, Julia. I appreciate the kisses. Thank you, it's nice to see you as well. I'm not interested in yeah. you. I've got this great thing with Savannah. Yeah. yeah. Be look, you got Savannah and if you're good to her, she'll probably give you the rose next week. So, why are you why are you doing this? And um I don't know, maybe again, I maybe the producers just tell him he has to or else they're going to cut him out of the show or something, but let let's let's suspend our disbelief and just say like Brandon, I mean, what are you doing? You sang Fever with her. It was great. You guys have been a great couple for two weeks. Yeah. Don't d don't mess this thing yeah. up. Fever all through the night, Brandon. Not just for a little while. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so that leaves uh, a couple of leftovers. Um, Silent Danny and Theater Kid Becca um, are coupled up at the end. I object to you calling these people leftovers. These are probably my favorite characters. We remember Gabe, right? Everyone's favorite character, Gabe. And Gabe he picks... and Rudy. Yeah. Wait, no, Ruby? Ruby. Ruby. You know, oh, Ruby, no. our friend from the TV who we keep watching on TV. Oh, as if, like, as if, I'm, I'm having trouble with Michelle Mel. 
who now is not on the show, so I don't have to worry about her. Mm. But Ruby Rudy is going to cause me so much difficulty over yeah. the next four weeks. One of them has to go. And we know we know almost nothing about Ruby. Um, no, we we heard a couple of lines from her. We know almost almost the same about about Gabe. Even though Gabe's been here two weeks, I I, mm. I know so very little about him. I kind of like the guy though. Uh, did he do? Did he sing at some point at least at, in the living room or something by the piano? Was he singing with one of them? I'm or... willing to believe he did. I have no evidence. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say he did. Yeah. And what a, what a fine voice he had. Um, but I, I don't, you know, I don't see the, I don't see the connection between Gabe and Ruby. Um, I don't think anyone has. I, no. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm holding out, I'm holding out that Mel will return. That happens sometimes, right? Do they bring people back or no? It wouldn't surprise me, at least maybe in another Bachelor Universe show or something like that. Because okay, this one is so such they don't... a limited series that it's hard for me to imagine they will bring people back again. Um, but these people will all be floating around the Bachelor ecosystem. It's not the last we'll hear from her, I'm all sure. Right. I'm, I'm Team Mel. The way that it happens is that um, Brandon fucks it up somehow with both Savannah and Julia, and then he's like, you know who was the one who got away? Yeah. Michelle. Mel. <laughs> <laughs> Even he doesn't really know. <laughs> Oh yeah, if I were one of the cast, I would be calling people by the wrong names all the time. Yeah, it'd be so uh, good. And there's no name tags as far as I can tell. Almost intentionally. They must have little photos of everyone with little like name tags on them in their bedrooms yeah, or whatever. Checking. Just so they can go and yeah. study at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> if they if they cut to that at some point during the, the episode, you know, just cut to someone in their room, like looking at a chart. That would be so great. It's the Homer Simpson hand of Lenny equals white, Carl equals black. <laughs> Gabe's just sitting there like, I don't know. None of these people have spoken to me the entire time. I, I can't I have nothing to pin this to. Uh, and that does bring us to the end of the episode. Um, we get a little limo exit moment with Mel. She is like crying. She says she was falling in love with Brandon. And then the other two people who left, um, Cheyenne, who was there for two weeks, and Mariana, who is another intruder who we didn't get to introducing because she didn't do a single thing. Uh, they were evidently not approached for comment on the way out. We don't need to know what they had to say at the end of the day. Cheyenne probably has this whole side narrative. Like, she saved Matt last week, who yeah. now ends up with Rudy. Um, and this week, no one is there for Cheyenne. She was, last week, she was described as mysterious. Mm. So mysterious that uh, we don't even know if she was on the show or not. Right. She's Shame one of the, on Matt. She and Mariana will be trying to convince people that this happened to them for the rest of their lives. <laughs> Shame on Matt. If uh, Cheyenne saved Matt last week, and there's no reason why he couldn't return the favor. Right. right. I, I mean, Ru- Rudy is entertaining. Is is probably that's probably what it comes down to. Because Cheyenne just kind of seemed down to earth and nice, whereas right. Rudy Rudy is just all over the place, and and that's probably what what got her onto week three. She's great. But TV. I also feel like Rudy would have been picked by somebody. You know, she's been sowing her oats. <laughs> Pretty widely. She's been talking to everyone. She's been getting around. I would have counted on the fact that she would be safe. Uh, Simply on the basis of the tracksuit alone. Right. Yeah. 
It's a great you look. Get rid of that. <laughs> All right. So that is the end of the episode. Next week, the performances begin. We see Kesha. We see Jason Mraz. Finally, we also see uh, Jordan Rogers and Jojo Fletcher, one of the previous uh, Bachelor couples, still together. And what about this for a little side note? So, Matt, Jordan Rogers is the brother of Aaron Rogers from the okay. NFL. Yeah. Now, this weekend, Aaron Rodgers was uh, replaced um, the Green Bay Packers drafted a different quarterback to come in and like eventually replace Aaron Rodgers. His name, yeah. also Jordan. Oh, oh wow, that's Whoa. that's wild. That's drama. It's all connected. Yeah. <laughs> Should be watching that reality show. It's good. It's good drama. <laughs> um, and uh, Zave, please help me out. Wait, with what? <laughs> oh, well, I mean, that's the end of the episode, right? Um. I would like to thank our special guest, Matt Farley, for coming on the show. I feel like we could have done a better job up top of explaining the Matt Farley uh, universe and ecosystem to our listeners, which I like. You're one of my favorite songwriters. You've written countless wonderful songs on more topics than I think anyone else in history. Uh, You've written a number of great songs about me, (laughs) which is a real (laughs) achievement. And he loves Speed Racer He's a cool guy named Xavier He was born on the 9th of September He's seen every episode of The Bachelor We sure hope his birthday is great I think you've written more songs about me than I, a quote-unquote songwriter, have written at all. (laughs) Well, yeah, thank you very much, but um, I was happy just to talk about this show. Um, you know, uh, it's an honor to be on be on here. If anyone's listening, you can look me up, but honestly, I- I'm-, I'm just here for, for the show, and um, this has been a delight, and I'm, I'm sticking with it. My wife and I are going to... Um, we're going to co- go through the rest of the season. Oh. Thank you for... Uh, for um, enlightening me to this, uh, this, this world. This could be... This could be the downfall of my music career because um, <laughs> it's like a full-time job keeping up with these people. Yeah, that's uh, true. <laughs> well, if you need a uh, another revenue stream, I can't guarantee that podcasting will uh, do quite the same thing for you, but uh, we're always here if you want to stop by. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much. Uh, you have 70-plus artist names uh, under which people can find you on Spotify. Yeah, would you, is there, like, a point where you would recommend people start? There's a great playlist of, like, the very best of Motown Media. Yeah, uh, on Spotify, it's called Official Motown. That's, like, modern, except with a T. Official Motown Media Playlist. It's 303 of, of my best songs. <laughs> You narrowed it down perfectly. <laughs> uh, you've got wonderful films. You've got a great podcast. We just love you. Um, and uh, and yeah, go check out Matt's music. Uh, we'll be back next oh, week. Oh, I got oh oh please for my Australian people. My Australian people um, on ABC iView. There's a a doco. Do you guys yeah. say doco? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a doco about me called uh, Lessons from from a Middle Class Artist. It can only be viewed in Australia. And much like these um, Bachelor uh, contestants who are like, I swear I was on the show, 
I say to people, I swear there's a documentary about me. You just have to fly <laughs> to Australia <laughs> to watch it. So to all it's the Australian great- people out there, check it out. It's a great documentary. I watched it when it was broadcast last year. Uh, it is about, I guess there's a bigger Australian Motown Media fan than me, which I was shocked and aghast to hear about. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, check it out. It's, it's a wonderful watch. Well, uh, if you guys are ever in the States, uh, I'm in the Northeast. Come come say hello. When when we're not under lockdown, I do a show once a month. So uh, come, come check it out. I sometime. would love to. Fabulous. I would truly love to. That would be so great, so kind. Matt Farley, thank you so much for joining us here on the Bachelor of Hearts podcast. So, uh, we just successfully made friends with Matt Farley, and I'm feeling great about it. Uh, We came here to make friends with more than just him, though, right? Uh, This is it. If you would like to uh, come check us out on the web, uh, we're at BOHpod on Twitter and Instagram. You can find the Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting group on Facebook. Uh, come hang out online, baby. You're not doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> Truly, uh, this series is has been so much fun, mm. and uh, I'm really enjoying doing the recaps as well. Uh, yeah, if you uh, if you have something to say, please find us on the internet because uh, it is such. A lonely time for yes, indeed, us. yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, thank you for listening to your podcast listen to your podcast (laughs) we should stop (laughs) this should be the end of the episode Uh, this absolutely should be it (laughs) thanks so much we love you look after yourselves wear a seatbelt don't go in your car don't go anywhere don't go in we love you be safe goodbye Goodbye.